What's up, guys? Hey, Ian, how's it going? Doing good. Just uh, in a COVID house right now, taking care Uh-oh. of a sick wife and a baby who has a little bit of a fever. So we are doing good. Everybody feeling okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, wife's, you know, she's kind of dealing with it, but, uh, you know. I'm I'm doing okay. I tested positive or negative, so that's good. I guess we'll see. But <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting experience with a four-month-old. Wow. Well, I'm Just glad, all to myself. Uh, so <laughs> glad uh, everyone's feeling all right so far. Yeah, yeah, she'll be okay. She's starting to feel better already. It's just it was like a sore throat, fever type thing for like a day, and today's been a little bit better. So yeah. Uh, while we wait for Crocky, uh, any questions from anybody, any of the listeners? All right, Alex, you are on the air. Hey, thanks. Um, Ian, definitely thinking about you, man. Uh, my baby had COVID, I think in her second month of life. So hopefully all will work out well. Oh, sorry to Uh, hear that. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. As a as a Cowboys fan who's just dying over here, I, I just keep thinking about head coaches uh, kind of stuff. So just early thoughts on the band staying together in Dallas. I know Kellen's still a question mark, but um, y'all think that's a good thing, or or would have been better off going in another direction? Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. I mean, especially Dan Quinn, like keeping him is the surprise. I think I would, I'm really interested to know if he was all for Denver. Um, I or, read he was all for Chicago. Oh, okay. Interesting. Gosh, that's such an interesting fit. It's funny to me that they went defensive, like defensive coordinator heavy with that search. Um, yeah. I mean, it's great for Dallas because I kind of thought that Dallas had that option, right. Of getting rid of McCarthy and then promoting one of the coordinators just to kind of be proactive. And now it kind of seems like they're going to get, they're going to keep all those guys. I think, Moore is probably like you said, Moore is a question mark, but I feel like he's not really seeming like the hot guy anywhere yet. I guess Houston's kind of that that question mark. I don't know that anyone knows what Houston's going to do. Um, Sounds like Josh McCown. He's the the one gosh. noted finalist so far. That's crazy. Is Gannon a finalist there too? Uh, they've only reported one finalist uh, from okay. what I've seen so far. Okay, I think Gannon will end up being in that mix too. Um, they're, I just don't know that anyone knows what they're doing, um, which kind of, may be good for them. I don't know. Maybe being out of the box would be good for them. But I think, that, I mean, look, the good thing on Dallas is, is if you keep Amari Cooper, which I think they will, I would assume that they will. I don't want to put that in pen, but if they keep Even Cooper. Even after Jerry Jones uh, criticized him? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. We gave him this giant contract, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to criticize his giant contract that everyone knew at the time was a lot of money for any receiver. Um, that was hilarious. I, yeah, I think their best avenue, though, was to probably just to, to kind of wait it out or restructure it. And, you know, restructuring it kind of locks you into it more. But it's like this team's ready to win. Like, if you're going to lose assets at this point for nothing, that's really tough to bite that bullet. I think that team is closer to winning than not. Yeah, it makes sense that they just they it sounds like they gave Dan Quinn a nice little raise and to just run it back for one more year. If it doesn't work out, you just hire Sean Payton. Yeah. Kellen Moore is probably a hotter name next year anyways. 
Yeah, and I mean, the prospect of Peyton is, is pretty exciting. I mean, obviously him with Dak would be amazing. You hope that things don't go that way. Obviously, as a Cowboys fan, you're hoping that you win it all. But, I mean, I think this is probably the best possible outcome that you could have had this offseason. Um, I like Dan Quinn. I, I think as a head coach, he did okay. Um, I would probably say that offensively without Kyle Shanahan, he was way in over his head. Um, I thought that his teams did a lot better late in the season than early, and that kind of buried them in a couple of those last two seasons, I think it was. Kind of buried Atlanta in the hole too much. So I'm not a huge Dan Quinn head coach fan. Um, so I think keeping him in the defensive coordinator role is huge. Keeping Moore is really nice. I think more continuity will help. And even if they do get rid of Cooper, I mean, at least you set pretty high in the draft. You can get it kind of like the right wide receiver of your choice. So, I mean, I think the Cowboys will be fine. They just got to figure out what that rut was last year. Like, why did they hit that inconsistent, inconsistent patch, um, especially with the offense? Like, it's really just strange to me what happened there. Yeah, I, to close it up, I do think that, for, from a Cowboys standpoint, it was like the perfect storm. They get to keep him. From Dan Quinn's standpoint, it's kind of weird because, you know, you're never going to be the hottest name again, most likely. Defensive coordinators, even uh, despite this year, aren't usually the hottest names. It's the offensive geniuses and everything. And defenses vary from year to year. There's no saying that this Cowboys team, is the defense is going to be as good. So he might not even get another chance at this because he's not that exciting of a name. Uh, any more calls before we get started? So uh, since that Crocky has jumped on. Yeah, sorry I'm late to the party, guys. I'm over here on the road driving to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. So I'll be out here covering the Senior Bowl and the HBCU Combine right now. So uh, if it's a little noisy in the background, that that's why I kind of I have this like uh, SUV and it's like a Hemi. <laughs> the engine's real loud, so you guys have to excuse the uh, the roaring engine. Uh, engine. <laughs> That's we nice can hear, but it's brag. not it's yeah. not too bad. But yeah, nice <laughs> little humble brag for sure. Uh, let's uh, let's get into it. So, uh, welcome everybody back to the Lions Football Show. Uh, I'm your host Lance Cartelli, managing editor for Lions.com, the greatest website on the internet. As always, I'm joined by my co-host. You heard you just heard from him, uh, NFL player Eric Crocker and his Hemi. Lines writer Ian Wharton. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to break down the AFC and NFC Conference Championship games, pick the winners, our favorite bets, favorite props. Um, but before we get started, I, you know, I got to ask you guys: Was this past weekend the greatest weekend of football in your life? It was really good. Uh, it definitely, I'm pretty sure, exceeded anybody's expectations. Obviously, as you get later in the playoffs, you know the games are going to get better and better, but. To the extent in which that was, I mean, that, that was purely amazing. Every single game coming down to the last possession. I think I saw one thing that said no game was decided yet with four seconds left on the clock and regulation. So just really amazing games. I don't think you could have asked for a better divisional round playoff. Yeah, I mean, definitely the best I can ever think of. I mean, even even like the wild card round was strong. So like to have a second great round like that, I just I don't know. I didn't really expect it. Sometimes the wild card round is kind of a snoozer, and so um, to get two great rounds so far, it's just been really a treat. And and like the quarterbacks, the way that they've shown out, and then like just like so many legacies are being affected right now. Like I think that's such a it's such a crucial part in like NFL history. Like bigger picture with these younger quarterbacks, um, these coaches like. You know, Sean McDermott trying to, to, to prove himself, the Shanahan McVay, like those guys trying to like prove themselves out of like that tree. And then obviously Andy Reid just continuing to cement himself. Like, 
there's just so much going on that I think that when we look back in this five, 10 years, like this is going to be such a critical year for a lot of these guys' uh, legacies and, and, and just kind of where the league is going to be going over the next couple of years. So it's kind of hard to picture that right now because we're in the middle of it. But like taking a step back to like, I think this is such a critical point in, in NFL history. So it, it was just a, a treat like that, especially to finish off with the way that the, the Chiefs and Bills did like. To me, that might be the best game I've ever seen. So um, I'll take that any any time I can get. <laughs> yeah, that'll do for two stinkers now. So get ready for some blowouts, guys. This kid, hopefully. But uh, let's get into the two games. Let's start with the first game of the weekend, the AFC Championship game. We've got the Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs minus seven and a half favorites, and the over/under is set at fifty-four and a half points. Ian, is this going to be a repeat of the Bengals' upset victory of the Chiefs? Are they going to advance to the Super Bowl? What do you? I don't think so. Um, what I do like about this game is I do like the spread for Cincinnati. I, I do think that Cincinnati has the ability in this one to to cover the points. Um, looking back at their last matchup, it, it'll be interesting to see because I don't think. Look at what what Kansas City did last week, where they said, "Okay, we don't want Stephon Diggs to do to us what Jamar Chase did to us." We can't be giving up 250 yards, you know, all these plays, one-on-one losses, stuff like that. Well, the trade-off is that Gabe Davis just went crazy. And a lot of that was just miscommunications. Uh, it was help defenders not being in place. It was guys running into each other. And that's kind of the stress of when you're traveling or when you're bracketing a receiver is you open the door for that, especially for a unit that's not used to doing that. They, they spent most of the year not doing those types of things. So it's hard to implement that at this stage of the game. I almost think Kansas City's best chance to slow Cincinnati is to just run what they normally run. And I mean, obviously, you want to have wrinkles. You want to have surprise blitz and, and rolling coverages and, and, and do a little bit different. But like, I don't think being too cute like they tried to get against Buffalo is necessarily the smartest play. Like, you do want to trust your guys on an island a little bit. Maybe you shade a little bit of help over to Jamar Chase a little bit more. Uh, but look, if he's going to make those one on one plays on the sideline, those crazy catches, he's going to do it. Like, your guys were in position last game and they just didn't make the plays. And that's just the NFL right now where offensive guys are going to have that advantage. Um, the danger here is that I think Cincinnati has much better secondary and third options than Buffalo. So you really could, I mean, it's hard to imagine getting killed for more than 200 yards and four touchdowns, but over the course of the game, I do think that, that those guys can help sustain drives. Well, like T Higgins, um, Tyler Boyd, obviously Joe Mixon, like those guys are all better than what the Bills have outside of Stephon Diggs. And so we're going to be looking at an offensive shootout. I, I think that's that's inevitable. Like we, we saw it last week. It's just it's just geared toward that. Neither of these defenses is Tennessee's defense. Um, Cincinnati's defense is, is certainly solid. And I think that they can give some, they can give Kansas City trouble. But like we saw last time, it's just inevitable. Like Patrick Mahomes in this offense is just operating at a different level. Clyde Edwards Lair playing pretty decently. Uh, last week, I think he's more of a receiving threat now that he's back. Jarrett McKinnon's played well. We've talked about him a little bit. Tyron Matthew, I mean, we got to see if he's going to be if he's going to be 100 percent, you know, what his status is. Uh, that was obviously a huge loss last week and, and definitely changed the game for Kansas City. But I, I obviously I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win. Um, I think Cincinnati makes it tough for me. Cincinnati, their defense has to do something, even in their win last game. Zero sacks, zero turnovers. You can't do that again. This has to be a game where you're you're on Mahomes, you get him down a couple of times, and you force a, a turnover or two. That's their recipe to win. Um, Kansas City's been playing a lot cleaner lately. I think Kansas City wins. I'm probably looking at – we're definitely hitting the over here. 
Um, I would say probably like a 33 to 31 type of game, very similar to last game, even, even like a similar score and outcome um, nail biter. But I do think Kansas city, it's hard to go against their experience on this stage. No, I think the experience, that's the one thing that not one thing. I mean, obviously Kansas city has a lot of things that kind of work in their advantage you know, heading into this game, but just kind of being there and feeling like they belong there as opposed to maybe, you know, Joe Burrow and the Bengals and guys that are kind of, you know, a little bit of wide-eyed in this environment. You know, Bengals probably as an organization just happy to get some playoff wins, let alone, you know, be up in the NFC, I mean, AFC championship game. So, you know, it's definitely been a really good run for the Bengals. Uh, Seeing the promise that they have moving forward with guys like Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, you know, y'all touched on the receivers, and, you know, it doesn't even stop at Jamar Chase, even if they try to just take him away, because T. Higgins, he can hit you for 150 yards. Uh, Tyler Boyd, he can have a big game. And then I think the wild card in this is uh, Azuma, if I'm saying that right, the uh, the tight end. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, so, you know, just having a plethora of weapons, I think that helps them. You know, what direction do the Bengals go in? Do they try to, you know – go against what they've been to slow down the offense of Kansas City Chiefs and maybe try to keep the ball away from them. So, hey, let's lean on the run game, which hasn't really been as potent uh, this year. Although you look at Joe Mixon's numbers, you know, he has a you know over 1,200 uh, rushing yards. But when you look at it from a game-by-game standpoint, it seems like the production wasn't very consistent. So if I'm the Bengals, I think they need to lean a little bit more on what got them there, which has been the passing game. I think if they kind of veer away from that because maybe they're scared of, you know, having to try to go toe-to-toe with Kansas City Chiefs, which I feel like ultimately is inevitable, I think that'll make it a lot tougher on the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, from the other side of it, kind of looking at the Kansas City Chiefs, and, you know, we know what they are and how special uh, they can be on offense. I I think the Bengals, they're going to have to – try to do whatever they can to make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable. And how do you take away his two uh, top pass-catching options out there in Travis Kelsey and Hill? You know, it's not an easy thing, but, you know, we watched in the Super Bowl last year what uh, Tampa Bay was able to do to Kansas City. Now, I know Kansas City, they were missing a ton of linemen. I believe they were maybe playing with, like, all backups. So that's, you know, that's never ideal. But there still was a way that they made Mahomes a little bit more uncomfortable. His receivers weren't able to, uh, you know, take advantage of the moment where some passes that were dropped. Are the Bengals going to be able to make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable? And like you said, in zero sacks, uh, you know, didn't really get any pressures last week for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's not ideal, and that's not going to cut it. If it's anything like that, especially going up against this offense, I I don't even think it's going to be close. So, I'm actually leaning towards Kansas City, and I will say 31 to 17. Oh wow, a, a beatdown! So you've got yeah. them covering. Okay, yeah, I uh, I'm actually you know I'm more leaning towards the inside on this one. I as bad as the Bengals defense is, I trust them more than the Chiefs defense right now. Frank Frank Clark's been terrible in the second half of the season. Chris Jones hasn't really looked like himself. So I think this is going to be a a shootout. I don't see the Chiefs getting nine sacks in this game against the Bengals' offensive line. So it's going to be uh, a, just a, you know, really similar to the the Bills game where it's pretty much a team that has the ball last probably wins this one. 
I look back to the week 17 game, the, to answer Crocky's question, they have to, you know, focus on the pass. They got to go to Jamar Chase, 266 receiving yards and we, the week 17 victory. Yeah, that was with Tyron Matthew. Matthew's coming off a concussion. I expect them to attack the same thing. And then, like you guys said, if you, if you shut down Chase, you still got Boyd, you still got Higgins, you still got Uzoma, and you still got uh, Mixon. So I don't see any of these defenses stopping anybody. Uh, and I'm with Ian on the spread. The seven or seven and a half, whatever you get it at, is way too much. The Bengals are going to at least keep it close. Uh, I've got the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs winning this one, 35-32, and I love, love, love the over here. Any uh, any final would, thoughts on this game, Ian? Would there be more? Would the biggest surprise of the weekend being this hitting the under? I think that would. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. that would be a, a little <laughs> surprising. Even though I don't have them, you know, scoring a ton of points. The one thing I will say is, I, I think I'm probably weighing a little. I don't want to say too heavily on the inexperience of the Cincinnati Bengals and the fact that Kansas City. I mean, this would be what their fourth straight. AFC championship game. Right. Uh, you know, so there's just like this comfortability that kind of sets in, especially for a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who he's tough to rattle in general. And he just plays with kind of this arrogance. And I think, you know, that kind of rubs off on the rest of his team in a positive way to where, you know, moments like this, it's like, man, we've, we've been here, we've done this. And I'm interested to see how the Bengals players react. You know, Jerbo, obviously he was on the big stage in the, in the, uh, Playoffs, college football playoffs, winning the national title there. And, you know, he looked definitely comfortable in that home, uh, having one of the more historical great seasons we've seen in college football history. But NFL, different stage. You're on the road. You're playing at Arrowhead. It's going to be loud. I heard Joe Burrow say that, you know, hey, I, I've been in loud stadiums. Like, NFL stadiums aren't as loud as co- uh, collegiate stadiums. And that when people kind of went to the little chart that shows the loudest stadiums, Arrowhead was louder than any college football stadium so it's going to be crazy it's going to get loud will that be a little too much for the Bengals and what I'm factoring in is Kansas City coming out right away punching uh the Cincinnati Bengals in the mouth the crowd gets going I think it's just a little it'll be a little too overwhelming for a young Bengals team this year yeah no I I totally agree with you playing in uh at Arrowhead especially in January is super tough and that inexperience is eventually going to show. And if you're the chiefs, not even if you're Patrick Mahomes, if you're one of his teammates, you got to think you're, you can't lose a game. Even if you go down by like four scores, you just feel like the chiefs are unkillable at this point. And after beating the bills, they just feel like it's their super bowl to lose in my opinion. I, you know, and it hurts me, you know, obviously uh, covering the 49ers, being a 49er fan and, and knowing it's like, man, Bills, why could you guys just not knock off the Kansas City Chiefs? I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs, they, they, they're like a cat. Like, they have nine lives. We, we remember a couple years ago when they were in the postseason. They fell down, you know, double digits to the uh, to the Houston Texans. I believe it was 24-0 at one point in the first half. They came back and won that game. You know, they fell down double digits to the uh, Tennessee Titans in the AFC Championship game. Didn't matter. Came back, won that game, and obviously double digits in the forty against the 49ers in the Super Bowl with seven minutes left to go in the game did not matter. Came back and won. They, they just they are just different, and the, you know just what they did in that 49ers game to be down ten points with seven minutes left and to win by double digits. Uh, that's just a, it's a scary offense, and I just think it's just a little too much for Cincinnati Bengals. But 
I will end this by saying I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that makes sense. Let's uh, before we move on, I have a couple prop bets that I like actually. Uh, Jamar Chase anytime touchdown plus one hundred. Burrow anytime touchdown. I think he's going to use his legs a little bit plus five fifty. And then uh, I like chasing a Bengals win plus four fifty. What do you think of those bets, Ian? I like those. I'm kind of looking at the, some other ones available. Most receiving yards in the game. Um, T. Higgins plus five fifty. Uh, Hill is plus three eighty. Chase is plus two sixty. I mean, those are all. I mean, these are all just good lines. Like you could justify any of those. Um, that Higgins one, I like. I like the sounds of that. I like the yeah, Higgins especially one too. if they try to just shut down Chase, then Higgins could, like you said, Higgins could go off for one fifty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think I think I'd probably hedge on that. Um, Patrick, I'm actually gonna do that. I think I'm gonna do that. <laughs> I, I'll probably just throw you know like fifty bucks there and and come up a good you know a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean it's it's low it's lowest risk because I mean like you said anyway Higgins was Higgins was a guy and we shoot we talked about this late in the season. He's the consistency guy, anyways. So if you need, you know, that big outburst, yeah, you're gonna look at Chase. But like, this is probably that game where you're gonna be looking to to move the chains with first downs. I love that for Higgins. Um, Patrick Mahomes over 29 and a half um, rushing yards. You know, you, you mentioned you know, Burrow using his legs. I think the same thing with Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Pretty safe, safe bet that he's gonna be running the ball. Um, I think the other one I saw was uh, most rushing yards. Uh, Joe Mixon plus 175, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire plus 450, McKinnon plus 450. I mean, Mixon at plus 175, it's, it seems like a pretty safe bet to get money back on that. I'm surprised that he's just not, you know, getting like minus 150 or something on that. So yeah, that's I don't think the Chiefs, yeah, I don't think the Chiefs are going to try too hard to really run the ball. So, uh, it seems like you're kind of getting some free money there. All right, let's get to the NFC Championship game. We've got the 49ers at the Rams, the third game of this season that they're playing each other. Rams, even though, you know, it might be a 49ers home game, uh, technically the Rams are at home, minus three and a half spread, over-under set at 45 and a half points. Uh, will the Niners pull off a three-game sweep and extend their winning streak to seven over Sean McVay and the Rams? Crocky, what do you think? Yeah, you know, everybody's looking at it, and they're looking at the streak and, and how hard it is to keep up with those things. I know 49er fans, they've been a little worried, you know, kind of looking at it like, man, can the 49ers win three straight times in one year? That's difficult. But history kind of shows you that a team that swept a team in the regular season and plays them in the postseason, they win 67% of the time. So the 49ers actually have a better chance with, you know, playing, beating them twice. They have a better chance to win than lose as far as history goes. Now, I don't look at it that way. I look at history. History is kind of out the door. I'd say we are going to take anything away from that. It's the fact that, you know, Kyle Shanahan, for whatever reason, understands how to prepare against a Sean McVay team. And if you, you know, care anything about that, then maybe you give the 49ers an advantage. Thinking this game really is going to come down to two things, really one on both sides. Which quarterback does a better job of taking care of the ball and which team is more dependent on his quarterback really being careful with the ball. Both of these quarterbacks have shown the inability to not turn the ball over. You know, in this battle so far this year in the two games, uh, there's been a total of seven interceptions between the two quarterbacks. That is not ideal. Uh, excuse me, two, 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 uh, six interceptions, excuse me, six interceptions, uh, two by Jimmy Garoppolo and four by Matthew Stafford. And both of these teams also have 
this, that going where if the quarterback does not turn the ball over, they're both undefeated. So I think it comes down to which quarterback is going to do a better job of taking care of the ball and which one do you trust more? And I think for the 49ers, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the scarier one, but they do a little bit more to kind of take the load off of him. They're able to run the ball. They're able to establish the run and do some things off of the run game that should help him take a little bit better care of the ball. As opposed to on the other side, the 49ers really, their strength of their defense is stopping the run and making teams one-dimensional. And if you do that, now you're putting the ball in the air a whole lot if you're Matthew Stafford. And can they count on him throwing more but also being safe with the ball? I say no. I have the 49ers winning 27-24. On the, well, I was going to say on the road, but they're at Levi South. <laughs> I'm shocked you're picking the Niners. Uh, Ian, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, I mean, hold on, hold on, hold on. How can we be shocked that I'm picking the Niners when the Niners beat them twice in the regular season? I'm not saying it's a tough matchup or it's as simple as that. But I don't think you could be shocked. I think you could say, you know what? You know, I disagree. But shocked, that's, that's kind of shocking to me that you're shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked you don't understand sarcasm. But, oh, uh, sorry. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Because I covered a 49, 49 fan. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, okay, my yeah. bad. That went over my head. Sorry, guys. Uh, he, go ahead. Go he ahead. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> he couldn't understand it over the sound of his Hemi. That's how it was. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Croc's right. Like, it's hard to put history in the, into this matchup. Like, yeah, this is, one, it's a rivalry. Two, it, it's also one of those kind of weird matchups where the, the Rams are so reliant on their stars. And, I know, like, McVay's still a system guy, just like Shanahan is, but Shanahan's system is better, right? Like, it's clearly been proven between these two in head-to-head matchups. Kyle Shanahan has shown McVay's number. And I think that's what, that's what the Rams were kind of building this team for. It was to say, even if we're not the best schematic team on any given day, we're going to go star heavy, and we're going to try to outstar you. And our big-time performers are going to step up when they need to. And, and credit to them, they have in the playoffs. Um, even if they, as they kind of melted down in the second half last week, when they needed to, Stafford showed up. And, you know, he's he's one of those guys that has a lot to prove. And he's been playing really well, 41 to 55, 568 passing yards, four scores, no interceptions in the postseason. And I think that that's, that's the key. And Kroc kind of mentioned it. It's like if you can keep this passing game clean, limit turnovers or eliminate them completely, limit sacks and negative plays, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot from the running game from – from the Rams, they just don't really have the offensive line to, to do that to the 49ers. It's kind of weakness against strength. So it's going to be on Stafford's shoulder. And there's plenty of reasons to look, look on that and be doubtful. There's reason to look at that and say, well, recently he's been playing really well, too. Defensively, I think, you know, Jimmy G's has got to play better. Like, he has been the clear weakness of the team all postseason. And I think that that's it's been the storyline. It's been, I know, like a lot of people talking about like what his future is going to be, like what do they do if they win in spite of him with his future. And I think that that's, that, this is where it catches up to a team. If he doesn't play well, I just don't see how they win. I know that they compensate for him pretty regularly. Um, and I don't think he's a bad quarterback. He's just an average quarterback, and average quarterbacks don't always play well. So I, I like the points, though. Like that's the thing. It's like I think the Rams are the better team, even though they keep losing – um, these matchups, I think this is where the stars step up. I'm going to put some faith into Matthew Stafford, but I think the 49ers cover, and I think it's going to be really close. It's going to be razor thin. It's going to be like a 24-23 type of game. 
Rams win um, down to the last couple possessions again. And, and uh, this might be a field goal game uh, where we're looking even at like an overtime type of finish. And so like my score would be wrong, but I don't see this being comfortable at any point. Uh, I think both of these teams are going to be kind of waiting for that special play. When you've seen each other twice already, you're kind of waiting for like that special trick play or maybe like that fake punt or that set that one decision that kind of turns the tide. And um, I, I just kind of have this feeling that it's going to be like Cooper cup. It's going to be Aaron Donald. It's going to be Jalen Ramsey. It's going to be one of those Rams guys that kind of take this game and, and grab it by the horns. If you can bet on the a fake punt by the Rams, you should take it because the Rams are a hundred percent running a fake punt. This is it's just set up for that. That's what the McVeigh does. I would love that. Yeah. So I could definitely see that happening. That'd be a great bet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I'll be the uh, the tiebreaker on this one. Um, you know, it's going to be 65% 49er fans there. So, uh, like Crocky said, you know, another Levi South uh, emergence for the Niners and everything. But there are some things that are different from the uh, just the Week 18 game. You know, Von Miller's playing so much better now, and that's a huge mismatch against the Niners' right tackle, Tom Compton. Uh, I think both coaches, uh, I think it might come down to which coach fights the urge to be conservative who's going to be a little more go for it on fourth down, a little more aggressive. But I really think it comes down to three things. Trent Williams' health. If he's not healthy, I think the Niners don't win this game, even though they won without him in week 18. This is the playoffs in a completely different matchup. Uh, I think the number two thing is the 49ers' defensive line. I think the Rams and and Niners' defensive lines have been both been awesome this past month. But – and that's what really got them there. But the Niners can dominate that Rams offensive line. And if they do that, it's going to give Stafford happy feet. He struggles with that. You can't blitz Stafford, but if you can get pressure with your four, like the Niners have been doing, like D'Amico Ryans has been dialing it up, they can disrupt Stafford, who's been playing great. He absolutely torched the Bucks last week, but that's because the Bucks love to blitz. 49ers rarely blitz. So I think that can really slow down this Rams offense. And the number three, which Jimmy G shows up? Are we going to get, we're, we're going to get some kind of bad Jimmy, but how much will we get? You know, he's been really bad these past two weeks. Like Ian said, shout out to Mina Kimes, Jeff Garcia can suck it. You know, uh, he threw two interceptions the last time these two teams played and, you know, the Rams still needed Stafford to be great, but I think the Rams are just playing a little bit better. Can Jimmy G, you know, make the one or two throws that make the Rams pay for being without their safeties if we get not so bad, Jimmy G, the 49ers win this game. But I'm going to go with the, the Rams winning in overtime, 23-20, but not covering the three-and-a-half-point spread. You know, I, I kind of like that because I think you guys both picked the uh, Packers last week. So I think you guys might be the good luck charge for the 49ers. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if you've noticed, but I've uh, picked against the Niners winning in uh, all of our previews as a win-win. But I did take the Niners to cover. So I was right about that. I, I did okay. too. Yeah, I took the cover. Yeah. I was like, I was too much of a coward to pick the win. You you know we do we talk a lot about betting and everything and, and the lines. I actually put a hundred dollar bet down. Did I talk about it last week? The, no, but the, I, I saw you tweet about it. So go ahead. And yeah. Talk about so it. Uh, you know I put a hundred dollar bet down and I asked my guy. I kind of have my bookie because you know I live in Arkansas. There's no sports betting there on uh, the apps. So I sent it to my guy who's out in New Jersey. And I said, hey, man, like, if I put $100 down on the 49ers, Bengals, 
and the Rams, all money line, what does that win me? He said, oh, you, you collect $1,800. All right. I said, all right, check your uh, <laughs> check your Venmo right now. The money's in there. So I sent him $100, and I had several opportunities to kind of cash out before that uh, Rams game got close. But my wife, she was like, nah, you know, you're, don't worry about it. The Rams are going to win. And, it, I mean, it got as tight as possible. They made me sweat it out. But uh, going with the all underdogs, all money line, it was all money line. Uh, I came up, yeah, uh, a total of what? I came up $1,700. I wish you told everybody, you know, on the, the podcast to do that so we could have all, you know, shared in the well a little bit. I think you all owe <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I look at, I, I think a lot of people, because there are some people who are like, oh, that's a stupid bet. And I'm like, you know what? Like, anytime you, par- anytime you parlay things, you aren't like, likely to cover. No, but- they're going to make all their money. Right. I, I like the value. I like the value of it. And, you know, you, you put $100 down on teams. I thought, realistically, I thought the 49ers could win. I, I thought that the – I was more confident with the Rams and Bengals. I mean, I, I if you would have told me that those teams were the favorites heading into those games, I would have believed you. And I was really kind of shocked to see some of those lines in those games. So, well, it was – I think the Niners, you know, there's an argument for them to be favored. They're 2-0, and and they're pretty much at a home game. So it's a little interesting that they get an extra half a point, too. I agree, yeah. Right. I'm surprised. Now, there there are some things that kind of touch, go a little bit deeper in that game. And, and uh, Lance, you know, you kind of talked about it a little bit. Von Miller, you know, it, it looks like somebody has, you know, injected 2015 into his veins. You know, he was screaming off the edge last game watching him uh, really be a menace, be a terror uh, against Tampa. Now, I, I get it. Tampa Bay's offensive line, you know, they were playing without uh, Wars. You know, they were, you know, not as good at the left tackle spot. But, you know, even then, just seeing what Von Miller looked like, you know, that that is scary. And if the 49ers don't have an, a healthy Trent Williams, who, you know, we know he didn't play in the in the Week 18 battle, you, you still can't bet on that. You, you can't bet on... I don't even know who the 49 played that left tackle that game, but whoever it was, you can't bet it was on McKivitz. McKivitz, yeah, Colton McKivitz. You can't, you can't bet on McKivitz having as good of a game again. And I believe, I don't even think that the quarterback was sacked. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo was rushed a couple times, which resulted in interceptions. So that did hurt the 49ers, even though I'm not sure he was. No, he was sacked he had that, in that game. He had I'm sorry, he was sacked. Yeah, that fumble from Ashawn Robinson yeah. knocked it out. Yeah, I think he got sacked a couple of times. Uh, once in the beginning, once at the end, for sure. Uh, so, but you you can't you can't bet on those guys not screwing up the game. So, uh, that's going to be the one thing that I think can really kind of change things and you know and kind of get that thing going in in the Rams' favor. How much pressure can they consistently get on Jimmy Garoppolo if they can't get there and Jimmy is just comfortable? That's when it definitely be some trouble for the L.A. Rams, especially with and and I know uh, Lance, you touched on this as well, especially with how well the 49ers' defensive line has been playing and the pressure they're able to get by just rushing four guys and still stopping the run on every down. I mean, it, to me, when you look at matchups, the, the Rams are a scary matchup because of all the special players they have, but in the sense of like how they play against the 49ers, I think that's the one thing that. It's it's intriguing. It's it's intriguing, and and uh, this, yeah, it's going to be a tough one, I think, for both teams. We know it's going to be a nail biter because it's a Niners game. They only play in those kind of games and stuff. But uh, one thing I wanted to ask both of you guys: what? Do you think? 
You broke up a little bit there. You there, Crocky? I was gonna ask you, like, what was that? They all of their games are so close. I think it's because you have a quarterback who only plays one good half, and so there's a lot of high variance and everything, and you have a conservative coach and uh, a good defense that keeps games close that maybe they shouldn't yeah. be in all the time. Yeah, and I think that's it. But if you you know, if you talk to 49er fans about that, you'll get kind of crucified because Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, Joe Montana reincarnated. Well, <laughs> no, they don't go to – they don't go to that Twitter is, uh, is wild, so don't. Uh, this is why you don't read the, the mentions all the time. You, you talked about the Mina Kimes thing, and I'm like, man, everybody's been saying that as long as Jimmy Garoppolo's been a quarterback for the 49ers, why are they attacking Mina Kimes as if she's saying something because that nobody's woman. ever heard before? It's because people don't want to get sports uh, info or anything from a woman. People are just, for the most part, you know, uh, sports fans are sexy. I, I feel like Garoppolo is like the least controversial quarterback in the league. It's like anybody like, defending him. We know what he like, is. Hasn't watched him. Yeah. Like, yeah. how can you defend him when he's, you know, throwing up two interceptions all the time? Yeah. And everything? He's, he's the definition of like a league average system quarterback. Like, yeah. he's sometimes he, really good, sometimes really bad. Yeah. The variance is there. If he could put together a full game, then he's a really good quarterback. But it's so rare. If he can avoid the mistakes, then he's just a, you know, top end game manager. If he gets rid of the, I mean, He's on the same scale as the Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is just much better now because he has avoided the the turnovers for the most part. Yeah, and I think the bigger part of that, too, is on top of avoiding the turnovers, which Kirk Cousins does, he also gives you the explosive plays. I think the one thing that Jimmy Garoppolo can really hang his hat on is when it comes down to it and you kind of need that throw, whether he has thrown multiple interceptions or no interceptions, and you need that one throw to get a first down or whatever, more times than not. He comes through in that moment. And I think that's what a lot of people remember about his game. And I appreciate that part of this game because obviously it helps result in wins. But I would say it's not as ideal. And it probably is going to have a lot of 49er fans having to get their blood pressure checked. Yeah, he's definitely taken years off of my life. But you make a good point because he does, you know, you can say what you want about him, but he's clutch. You know, he if you need a... The field goal, you know, with two minutes left, he's, you know, one of the top 10 quarterbacks you put out there, which is super weird for a guy who's probably never going to be considered a top 10 quarterback. But he's got that clutch gene. He can't really – he's unflappable. He's just like the poor man's Joe Burrow at that point. Uh, Joe Burrow is a lot more explosive and more of a playmaker. That's why I'm saying Jimmy G's the poor man's version of him, the homeless man's version. Okay. All right. Just that they're both unflappable and like guys that like down two, you know, you kind of they're both Joe Cool kind of guys. I hear no objections either, so it sounds like I'm right. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's open it up to questions from the the listeners. Anything from you guys? Also, I'll say prop bets for this game too. Most rushing yards. Oh yeah, go ahead. Um, I like Debo Samuel plus 380. Um, Cam Akers plus 225. I feel like is throwing away money. Elijah Mitchell plus 120. So I like Samuel there. Um, most receiving yards. Cup is minus 130. That makes a ton of sense. I mean, yeah. If I'm the I, Rams, I just pepper yeah. Cooper Cup with targets like the Packers did on that first drive to Devontae Adams before they 
forgot. Yeah, like I have a hard time even seeing the formula for any other result unless he gets hurt, um, which obviously we're not hoping. Um, longest yeah, unless Ayuk just has like a crazy, or I, I actually think this could be a Kittle game because the you yeah. attack the Niners are going to attack the middle of the field, and yeah. But the only thing I'm worried about is with it, it hurt Trent Williams. I think we could see Kittle blocking more often than you kind of want to see. Oh, that makes sense. Um, longest reception, they have Ayuk at 21 and a half, Cup 28 and a half, Samuel 21 and a half, Kittle 20 and a half. I feel like Kittle is a pretty good over. I like the Debo over. Even though he's not running as many routes, he's so explosive. He just needs really one of those. Yeah. I like the Debo over and the IU. What, what is that? What, plus, plus what? Uh, minus 110. Oh, minus 110? Ah. Yeah, so it's not as great. Yeah, and then Beckham, 21 and a half. I actually like the under on that one. So, yeah, yeah those are all I can minus. see that. Because I, I feel like Mosley's probably going to take Beckham. And I think they're really going to go target Kawan Williams versus Cup in this game. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Stafford's going to have a ton of time either. Like I think this is going to be a lot of you know quick passes, ten to fifteen yards, working those routes. What's the over under on Garoppolo's yards? It's around two twenty, right? I think it's two thirty. I think it went up a little bit. I'll pull it up here in a second. Yeah, kind of like the, uh, I mean, depending what, if it's in the 220s, kind of like the over on that. Um, 232 like, and a half. Yeah. I, I do think, like, I like the under in this game, but I kind of like the over in his passing yards. Yeah. Yeah, because they have Stafford at 279 and a half. I, I kind of like the under on Stafford's yards. You know, the I tough like thing the is if the 49ers, uh, you know, shut down the run game, then he's going to have to throw more, so that's scarier. But, 49ers, if I'm not mistaken, have only given up two 300-yard passers this season, I believe. So yeah, they, they don't give up a ton of passing yards. Uh, that's and Ambry, Ambry Thomas is going to play, it sounds like, because he's a full participant. So they should be at full strength, too. The secondaries play pretty well. If you think the pass rush is going to get there, then, yeah, I'm with you on the, on the under. Passing TDs, Garoppolo, one and a half, over plus 100. Uh, Stafford like over one under. and a half minus two thirty. I like the under for Jimmy G and the over for Stafford on that one. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think that's just like yeah, and I like the, the under on pretty kill. much everything. Cam Akers. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I, let's see, I'll pull up his numbers, but yeah, I think they're pretty reasonable. Um, let's see, Akers sixty three and a half for receive for rushing. Yeah, I'd take the under on that. I'd take the under. Yeah, rush attempts, um, 17 and a half. 17 and a half, wow. That's a lot. Uh, I mean, so you're, you're saying 17 and a half and 60, 63 and a half rushing yards. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if, if he's getting 18 to 20 carries, I think he can definitely get to that 60, but I don't see him super get, grindy. getting 20 yeah. touches. No, I don't, I don't think McVay is going to sit there and watch that be that grindy. Especially your bank. Well, they did it last week, right? Didn't he have 24 carries? He had 24 carries last week for like 40 some yards, and he fumbled twice. So I could see like a Sony Michelle getting you know more play this week. So definitely under on everything acres.
All right. Any questions, listeners? I know you guys have some questions. Come on. All right. Alex, you're back. I'm back. Uh, another just coaching question. So I always like to think about these alternative universes. Um, you know, obviously the Niners were pretty close to not even making the playoffs. Of course, they've come a long way since then. Uh, I've seen a lot of attention on their assistance. You think in an alternative universe, if they don't make the playoffs, that these coaches are getting the same amount of attention for, for head coaching roles? I think potentially D'Amico Ryans. I mean, he, he was good. In my opinion, he was really good all season long. I think, you know, him doing it on the national stage, doing it in the playoffs, and people getting the chance to see it against the Dallas Cowboys, against Aaron Rodgers. I think that definitely puts more – adds more weight to it. But, you know, anybody that really is paying attention to, you know, potentially hire a head coach should be looking into what his full body of work was. And throughout the season, I thought D'Amico Ryans was really good. Again, you know, doing it on this on this uh, stage in the playoffs, I think that that only definitely it definitely helps for sure. Yeah, he had a couple you know bumps in the road, but this is his first season as defense coordinator, so that was bound to happen. Sala had a whole year of bumps in the road. I definitely think the Island games you know help. Like you shut down Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, you're gonna you know get attention, and a lot of people already thought he was going to be a head coach in waiting. I think. Probably if it wasn't for this playoff run, he would have been a year away. But I think, you know, with who Minnesota hired as their uh, general manager, I I mean, you put two and two together, those guys work together with uh, at different spots. So I think, um, you know, it's hard to tell. So I think the playoffs help, but you never know because of who they hired. But that seems like the job for D'Amico. So if he doesn't get the Vikings one, maybe the Niners hold on to him. Yeah, I think that the tough thing for D'Amico early in the year, the the 49ers didn't force a turnover in like six straight games or something crazy like that, maybe seven straight games. And that, I think that was really tough on the defense in general. I thought uh, there was one game where against the Arizona Cardinals where I was like, okay, whatever he had in mind heading into that game, it just did not work at all. But aside from that, he was solid but just was not getting the takeaways. And – We've seen the 49ers really turn up with the takeaways kind of down the stretch of the season. Also, uh, I think just the improvement of the pass rush definitely helped a lot as well. Yeah, and, you know, getting Ambry Thomas emerging as the second corner has been huge for them because losing Jason Verrett, I think that changed a lot of what they wanted to do defensively. And then, yeah, the pass rush just over these past, like, 10 games or so has just taken a step to the next level. So those combination of those two things has, you know, just really changed this defense. And I think, you know, I think he would have got more pub if the Niners' offense was better. I think they would have clobbered teams if Jimmy G didn't struggle so much and have the injuries and things like that. So them just staying close in games, you know, helps, but it didn't, you know, you're not seeing them win by 20 points and and things like that. All right, what else? Anybody else? I got well, we, we, we didn't touch on McDaniels, uh, the offensive coordinator from the 49ers. I, I think for him, I don't know, it, it's, it's tough when you have a head coach that is the play caller, like Kyle Shanahan is, and everyone knows that. You know, having the offensive coordinator, I think he did get a, a head coaching interview. but he's a, final, he's a finalist for the Dolphins right now. Wow, see, and that's interesting. And I think the other thing, 
he doesn't come off as a head coach when you kind of hear him talk or just kind of what he looks like, you know? Like, a lot of times head coaches kind of have that look. You talked about Robert Sala. Like, Sala looks like a head coach. Even Kyle Shanahan, especially now, like, at his more mature age, like, he looks like a head coach. Some of these other guys that might potentially get offered jobs, like, you know, Dayball or even D'Amico Ryans, but... Yeah, he, he looks are, like the intern. Yeah, he looks... He doesn't really look like a head coach, so that's the thing that's going to be interesting to me when, you know, he finally does become a head coach. He has this really cool, like, sense of humor, and uh, I don't know. He, I think he, that's what's going to be his – I think that's what's going to help him, though. Like, I think, you know, you look at him and you're like, wait, this guy's going to coach me, but then you talk to him, and I think, you know, if you just watch a couple of his press conferences, like, the guy is super smart. I think that's going to connect with – the players but you know i didn't play so crocky you probably know a little better on that than me you're muted if you are talking i think the interesting part for him is um like will he connect with ownership in the front office i think he'll be a good players guy um i think he'd be a great fit for miami if miami doesn't take day ball i think miami will take day ball though um i think so too if i'm like the Miami job's so weird because they want to keep the oh. defensive staff. You have to be okay with the GM and everything. Yeah, so if I'm McDaniel, I want to I want to stay away from that unless you really love Tua. That's really the only reason. And Dable has worked with Tua, so I understand that. But McDaniel, I feel like he's gonna get a job. Like you're Kyle Shanahan's, you know, main guy, your his right hand guy. He's gonna get a job, so he can be a little yep. more picky. Yep. He and yep, exactly. It's a matter of time for him. Um, agree though with Dave Wall. It's like with Miami, and he he's been in Miami before, so he knows that kind of power structure. He's worked with Chris Greer before. Um, that is a very unique job, <laughs> and I think, it'd be good, I think it'd be good for McDaniel though, just because like the personnel. But I don't know that like organizationally, it's just a weird fit in general. Just because Miami's weird. Yeah, if I'm a head coach, like take me off of that list. You know, obviously you don't want to be disrespectful, but yeah. Uh, you know, kind of like what we saw from Dan Quinn and how he said, you know what, no, nah, I'm going to go back to Dallas. I think it has to be the right situation. And if it's not, you're kind of wasting your time. If if I'm Dayball, I want to go to an, an organization that is a little bit more stable, stable and is, you know, everybody's a little bit more on the same page than what we've seen in recent years from the Miami Dolphins. You know, they blew everything up uh, with Flores there, ultimately, you know, just to ultimately like kind of let him go and let him walk. You know, that just whole situation, it kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. I think a lot of people, like, like did this, like, took this, like, uh, racist approach, but I, I didn't see that. It just sounded like just a difference in philosophies between a head coach and a general manager. Uh, you know, if, if, if I'm a guy like Dayball, like, I'm looking at the New Orleans Saints job. You know, is that job open? You know, I'm waiting another year to see, hey, does Dallas Cowboys job potentially open? You know, I, I don't think you just leave what they have there in Buffalo for just any job just because, oh, I get to be a head coach and make more money. You know, what's going to be best for you moving forward? What's the best situation? I think right now with the Saints job opening up, and we'll see what happens there, to me that is the best. They have, you know, really good uh, organizational structure there. Peyton has things in place. Uh, you know, I think the roster, they, they have to, you know, kind of redo some things to uh, fix the cap and stuff like that. But, you know, yeah, seventy-five he, million over is is a tough sell. Yeah, it, it is, but but you you can also bring in Dayball and he understands and like you just get on the same page. Look, this is what we're trying to do. We got to tear this whole thing down, and 
this is a, a franchise that understands how to build it back up. And and I would I would actually go there even with the cap situation as opposed to going to a Miami Dolphins team where two are there and everybody not sure what to do with them. Interesting part on the Saints because I was looking at their over the cap page, which is a wonderful tool. Mm-hmm. Mickey Loomis is like phenomenal. I mean, obviously we we know that like what he's done with their cap. They can restructure almost every deal to give themselves, I think, up to like twenty five million in cap space. Like I know that's still kicking the can down the road, but that's what they're going to do. Like at some point, that's just who the Saints are. That's what they want to do. I think if you find the quarterback. That's a team that can win right away. That NFC South is going to be pretty open besides, you know, the Bucks at the top. I think you can, can compete pretty quick, whether you bring in a rookie and you just overachieve with the rookie or if you can bring in like a low price veteran or or trade for somebody. Um, I don't yep. think especially I, I don't where the, if Brady retires, then it's it's a super winnable division. It's a great job. Yeah. Like, I don't think they can get to like some of the talk of Russell Wilson. I don't I mean, I could be wrong. The, those guys have moved mountains before. But I don't know how the, they the get Saints the pretty much. That. I mean, they have to either you know re-sign Jameis to like a minimum yeah. deal or get a rookie quarterback if they because they have to get like I I'm a guy both, that right? thinks yeah. the, the salary cap is a social construct. You can get by with anything, but seventy-five million is oh, yeah. another level. So they're going to no, have to make yeah. some tough cuts for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think best case they're looking at like twenty million in space, but like that all goes to rookie pool and just like filling out the roster at that point. So I mean, maybe you t- I mean if you like like a Malik Willis or someone like that, like you're taking a gamble on someone like that in the draft, and then you're signing like Marcus Mariota or someone or Jameis or it's a good job though. Like I'm I'm with Croc. Like people are kind of bagging on that job because the cap situation, but like the roster is really good. Like they were not far away from competing the last couple of years. But they just how good is it going to be if they make you know to get under the cap? Like I get yeah. they can restructure stuff, but that. The, it's yeah. the roster's going to I mean, in two years, that's an issue. Yeah, in two but years, I think, that's an issue. Yeah, I, I love the division. Like, and you look at the other jobs. Like, I lo- I like the ownership a little more with the Saints. Like, the Jacksonville job looks great, other than ownership to me. And if you can get rid of Balky, um, and then some of the other jobs, just the ownership scares me. Uh, I think the Vikings job is really interesting, especially with who they just hired at, at GM. I think some of it too will be. Um, What's the time frame of ownership? So, like, Minnesota, do you treat it like Atlanta last year where you, where you come in and you're going to try to win right away? Or do I have freedom to trade some guys? Because Minnesota's got a pretty old roster. Um, but they could also, you know, compete for the playoffs pretty quickly, too. So I think, the, you know, each of these situations have unique pathways. Um, I look at Jacksonville's job as attractive because I like that their ownership is pretty hands-off. Um, they're generally going to give you time. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, too, like there's the that's the opposite approach of like I have full resources and like support and maybe it's too laissez faire. Like so, yeah, like you can go both directions and, you know, that roster is so far away from competing. Yeah, um, like the cons will give them everything they want, but they're still like until I guess for me, they have to prove it like. Uh, same thing with like when the Niners were going through their stuff with Jed York being a pretty bad owner. He became more hands-off, but I still had to see it before I trusted it. Same thing with the Jags. Like, they get a lot of love for, you know, the resources they put in there, and they're, you know, innovative and stuff, but they've been a, just one of the worst organizations in the NFL. So until they get out of that, I'm not buying any of it. Yeah, I'm with you. They're, they're kind of like the Madden franchise. 
<laughs> like it's easy from like the couch to be like, yeah, that's an amazing job because I can, you know, get in there and spend my hundred million dollars in cap space and sign every veteran a possible and, you know, do all this stuff. But it's like in real life, it's, it's going to be a task. That's a, that's a two to three year rebuild, even in an easier division. Um, I do think, yeah, that division's interesting. Uh, who knows what the Colts are going to look like next year. Texans are going to be bad. I love, like if the Jaguars owner can get out of his own way and get bulky out of there, if you can get, Leftwich as head coach, Fangio as a defensive coordinator, and you get Adrian Wilson as the GM. I love that. Yeah, like that's, I would be a big awesome. Jags fan after that if they pulled yeah. that off. Getting Fangio would be huge. Absolutely. Yeah, huge. for and then you know you Leftwich just seems like a no brainer. He played there, like they're trying to get people yeah. in the seats, and then I think Fangio teaming up like it reminds me of like McVeigh getting um oh I'm blanking on his name now, but uh you know getting an experienced defensive coordinator, you know, for a guy that's now a first year coach, like it makes too much sense. Yeah, I totally agree. It'll be interesting to see again, though, like you said, do you trust ownership to get rid of bulky when he's clearly the issue in a lot of this? Yeah. I for, think if I, if that was going to happen, then it would have already happened. So yeah, sucks for Jags fans as usual. Sorry, yeah. Jags fans. There are none. So it's okay. Uh, any more questions? All right, we got one more. Ryan, you are on the air. I think you're muted. Did we lose Ryan? We lost Ryan. I'm sure it was a great question. Oh, he's back. I'm back. I'm back. You guys hear me? Yes. Hey, um, so uh, I think is this weekend is the senior role or it's coming up or like East-West Shrine game. Um, I was wondering if maybe Crocky can elaborate since he'll be there too. Um, you guys have any favorite standouts to look forward to um, at the senior bowls or the uh, what's the game that's going on at uh, the Rose Bowl? It's a great question, Crocky. You're going. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, Senior Bowl is loaded with some terrific prospects and some guys are a little unknown. You know, I, I stumbled across one guy. His name is, uh, gosh, uh, starts with a G, last name Junior. Can't think of his first name right now because it's like, I don't know, it, it felt like his name was supposed to be flipped. But anyway, his last name was Junior. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, he went to a Division II school, Wachita Baptist, who I actually played against. Uh, and he only had one career interception, which happened to be against my alma mater, uh, University of Arkansas, Monticello. So um, I'm definitely going to be intrigued to see him. You know, how does the Division II prospect, one, why is he there? You know, what did he do to get on these guys' radar? You know, does he look overwhelmed by some of the talent that's going to be at the Senior Bowl? Definitely intrigued by that. But as far as just kind of standout players, guys like uh, Cincinnati has like six guys there. I'm looking forward to seeing all of them. Majai uh, Sanders, Desmond Ritter, uh, 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 Pierce, Alec Pierce, the, uh, the receiver. Uh, definitely all of those guys. Like, what do they look like there? Do they Are they able to dominate? Uh, I'll definitely be looking at the quarterbacks in general. They'll all be there. I think the only quarterback that's supposed to be, you know, one of the quote-unquote top guys uh, who won't be there is, like, Matt Corral. Aside from him, uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, Desmond Ritter, uh, uh, Sam Howell, uh, gosh, I mean, you can go down the list. And then I think the other one, uh, 
Zappy from Western Kentucky. He's the one who, you know, isn't maybe as big of a name as other guys, but he just broke the record for most passing yards in a season in college football. So a lot of terrific standouts. Uh, James Cook, that's another guy I'm really looking forward to see, the running back out out of uh, out of Georgia. Georgia. You know, Dalvin Cook's brother. You know, what is he what does he look like in that where now it's like, hey, you know, I, I don't have to kind of share this load with uh, Zamir White. Now I'm, I get to stand on my own. What does that look like? So I'm definitely interested. There's a lot of prospects. There's more. I, I If I had the roster in front of me right now, I can kind of list them off. But uh, definitely excited to get into all these guys this weekend. Yeah, for uh, for me, I think it's the quarterbacks. I think since all the pretty much the quarterbacks that have a chance of being quarterback one are going to be there other than Corral, I think we're going to – I think the best quarterback that plays there could, you know, end up emerging is going to be Kenny Pickett. It's kind of not sexy, but he sounds like he's going to be QB1. I really want to see Malik Willis. Uh, that guy's a lot of fun to watch, but he could be three years away from being three years away. So uh, really interested in him. Uh, Ian, you have anybody on your radar? I do, yeah. So kind of looking at, like, the skill positions, the tight end group uh, is fantastic. Trey McBride, uh, Colorado State, should probably be a first-round guy. I don't know if they'll sneak in at the back end there, but uh, excellent receiver, receiving threat out of Colorado State. Uh, Charlie Kolar out of Iowa State, Jeremy Ruckert, Ohio State, um, Jake Ferguson, Colter. I mean, that's all on just the national team uh, for their playmakers. Jerome Ford, running back, former Alabama running back, uh, played at Cincinnati, super talented. Uh, DBs on the Lions squad, Roger McCreary out of Auburn, Darion Kendrick out of Georgia, some bigger name guys. You know, those are possible day one guys. So for me, like seeing those guys compete on this level, winning on an island, want to see how they perform. Um, Malik Willis, Willis, obviously, as you've mentioned, like this is a huge, huge, huge week for him. Um, Hoping for him. He's so fun, super talented. Um, Tight ends even on like the other side too. Isaiah Likely is good. Um, Greg Dolchich had like the highest yards per catch average two years ago from UCLA. So like kind of want to see how he does. Calvin Austin is super explosive out of Memphis, dual threat, um, can play him at receiver running back. Reggie Roberson out of SMU receiver. So the, the playmakers, the skill players are loaded this year. Um, the quarterback should have no excuses, no problems whatsoever. Looking good uh, in that setting, as tough as that can be sometimes. It'll be really competitive. This is probably one of the better senior bowls we've seen in some time. So, and that's a big thanks to the quarterbacks. We usually don't see so many uh, senior contestants uh, or early graduates uh, from the junior class. So, should be a really good environment. Should be highly competitive, um, especially compared to like a couple of years ago, where a lot of guys kind of bowed out last minute. I'm hoping a lot of these guys stay in. Cool. Great question from Ryan. Uh, John or Ryan, you guys have any more questions for us before we end this bad boy? Does not appear so. So uh, let's end that here. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Lions football show. Um, We gave you the winners. So um, come back uh, next week when we uh, preview the Pro Bowl. No, just kidding. We'll talk about the Super Bowl and the results from this past week's games. Uh, before we sign off, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Casually Ginger. Uh, Ian, what do you want to plug real quick? Yeah, NFL Film Study. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll have some betting content coming. Uh, I just did a piece on CJ Stroud for um, for Fansided today. So looking back at like the college season, starting to look back at some of the quarterbacks 
uh, from last season to start to preview for, for next year. Um, obviously, it's going to be mock draft season here soon, so always looking for the draft stuff. Trying to, I'm going to start digging into the draft more myself, looking at even this year's class, too, so I'll probably get some quarterback threads um, together as usual and start charting their data. So I know a lot of folks like that. I like sharing that type of stuff, can, comparing them to the last 10 years of data that I've compiled. And, uh, so yeah, that'll be probably on the Twitter, Twitter field feed more than anything. All right. And, uh, Crocky, what do you want? Yeah, just, uh, follow me at Eric underscore Crocker, uh, on Twitter. And I have one of those like link tree things in my bio and you click on that and you can find everywhere, you know, to find me. My Sorry, guys. You guys got me back. My wife just called in the middle of it. All right. So, um, but yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. Click on the link tree and you can find everywhere that I am where there's different shows that I'm doing. Uh, locked on 49ers, locked on NFL draft. Uh, and obviously things with lines as well. So. Yeah. And check out Crocker's uh, latest uh, video of breaking down the wide receiver DB mashups on lines YouTube page. Till next week, uh, we'll see you then. Bye, everybody.